good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. You got me again with that note. You got me the first service, you got me the second service. Thank you, and thank you, Lurie, and all the members of our band, Paula in particular, for kind of orchestrating all of this every single week, making it happen. So we're singing about compassion. We look in each other's eyes and see that compassion. You know, it was the Dalai Lama who said something to the effect that those who practice compassion will be the radicals of our day. I think compassion is a close kin, a close relative of love, which we've been talking about this week, this month, I should say. The theme, love, a radical choice, because it's something radical that must be chosen, particularly in challenging times. You know, compassion is a connection that we develop with another human being. And love is that force that's beyond a feeling, but it is really that force that binds everything together. In that song, he made reference to Gandhi, and Gandhi realized the connection and looked in the eyes of the individual who actually had come to assassinate him. Yet he looked so deeply into that man's eyes that he had compassion for that individual. And he said to that person at the time that, you know, don't hurt anybody else, but do what you have to do. You say you got a job to do, do it. But there was some connection that he had made with that person. And he left that would-be assassin speechless. And he made such an impression upon that man, such a connection with him on a soul level, that the man became one of his most loyal followers and lifelong friends. And today, in this last of the series, we're looking at a way for authentic connection to be able to touch that place that binds us all together. And we're looking at the topic, the magic of authentic communication. Now, you may have witnessed some people sometimes, uh, uh, maybe to different groups, and they have sharply different perspectives on an issue. Not to say that, you know, you probably noticed a few of those things today. And more often than not, when they're interacting, there's no real communication. Where one is seeking to reach a common ground. It's more like each party is trying to convince the other person or convince the other group. They're right. The other person or party is wrong. And that's the end of it. 
It's probably even more so as we look at our modern era of the internet and social media world where there's less and less sometimes personal connection with those that you have disagreement with. And if it can be done anonymously or under a pseudonym, oh my God, the shadow side comes out full force. People go full bore calling each other names and putting them down while trying to convince that person that they're wrong, thinking they're going to force them to be on their side. But as the saying goes, a person convinced against their will is unconvinced still. They're never really convinced. There's really no real dialogue. There's no genuine communication taking place. There is no common ground that is sought to be reached. I shared earlier that I hired a mover to help me move a couple months ago. And he had you know, his own business, and he helped me move years before. So I knew the, I knew the guy you know, from his previous work, and I liked what he did. And I got to know him you know, pretty well, you know, as much as you can know someone that's kind of in your house for a couple of days. But, you know, he had radically different views from mine, <laughs> different philosophies about religion, different philosophy about politics and all of the hot button topics. Nonetheless, we, you know, we had a good conversation, communicated in a way that I think led to a respectful and open dialogue, despite the vast philosophical differences that we had. I mean, we reached a common ground where we came up with a new idea and emerged from the two of us, and we had never thought about this before. But I think to get to that point, we had to follow the guidance. I don't know if we did that consciously or unconsciously. There's a guidance from St. Francis to Sissy in his statement or his poem or his prayer that says, make me an instrument. And one of the lines says, essentially, to seek to be understand rather than to be understood. Seek to understand. Because that's where the magic of authentic communication can happen. You know, those who may be familiar with uh, David Bohm, he's a legendary physicist. It's kind of who I was kind of researching this week. And he was around, you know, he was hanging out with Albert Einstein and that ilk. That was a pretty powerful mastermind group that they had back then. But he noted that if we are to live in harmony with ourselves and with nature... We need to communicate freely in a creative movement in which no one permanently holds to or otherwise defends his own ideas. Held loosely. You know, in the 1970s, there was a profound and civil dialogue on race between James Baldwin, who was a acclaimed writer and activist, and Margaret Mead, the iconic cultural anthropologist. It's something you can look up on YouTube. It's very profound. Some of it's outdated, but, you know, it's still a very profound conversation. And at the time, it was a very hot-button topic of the issue of the day, as is today in some parts of our country. But what made their conversation extremely powerful and insightful was that it was a dialogue. It was not the ping-pong of opinions and reactionary responses that often shows up in today's world and people claim to be dialogue. Rather, there was a mutual commitment 
to contemplate each other's viewpoints. I think it's clearly appropriate and necessary in the polarizing times that we're going through today where there seems to be an unrelenting of shouting and lack of civility from influential people that trickles down to and from perhaps others and it affects other people's consciousness. It affects a part of the society that we're in. Sometimes it comes from celebrities, it comes from news people, political figures who attack each other with incendiary words and polarizing rhetoric. Often their words heighten intolerance. It heightens intolerance as well as potentially instigating more conflict that serves as a substitute for reasoned disagreement. So we may ask, how do we go beyond the divisiveness of the us versus them mentality, the us versus them consciousness? Well, it starts by, I believe, what somebody coined as generous listening. Because, you know, a lot of communication is characterized by an ungenerous unwillingness to listen. And then you add on top of that the compulsion to speak. I don't know if you ever observed, maybe you don't do this, but somebody involved in a conversation. And, you know, they're there, they're silent. But they ain't listening. They're just waiting for an opening to come in to say what's on their mind. It's where a person is not saying anything. And not really, like I said, listening to understand. But waiting for that opening so they can get their point of view in. You may have seen this. Again, interestingly, that physicist, David Bohm. Over 40 years ago, and this is way before the development of the World Wide Web, had these words that he said. He said, in spite of the worldwide system of linkages, there is at this very moment a general feeling that communication is breaking down everywhere on an unparalleled scale. And what appears in the media is generally at best a collection of trivial and almost unrelated fragments while at worst, it can be really harmful as a source of confusion, a source of misinformation. And Bohm calls this the problem of communication. And he wrote in his essays entitled On Dialogue that different groups are not actually able to listen to each other. The results the very attempt to improve communication leads to more confusion and a sense of frustration that inclines people to have more discord, more conflict, rather than toward a mutual understanding and a mutual trust. Now, of course, what this requires is that we reclaim the true meaning of the word communication and the magic of authentic dialogue. You know, communication comes from the, the Latin root term, commun, and it means to make something common. See, in a dialogue, each person does not attempt to make certain ideas that are already known to him or her. Instead, the two people are creating something entirely new. They're creating that together that to two previously had never considered before as a possibility. 
I mean, this is how new things are created. I was thinking about this earlier. You know, somebody had the idea of looking at some wheels and looking at a suitcase, and they put together a suitcase with wheels. And I was wondering, like, who, why didn't they think of that earlier? All these years I was carrying around these suitcases, heavy as could be, didn't have any wheels. All we had to do was put some wheels on them. And if somebody had said, well, you know, wheels go over here, suitcases go over there, you can't put those two together to make something new. But that's what true guideline could do. Or putting together a bell and a clock, and then you got an alarm clock. All right? You know, of course, now we have smartphones. It's a whole different story that, you know, they put together a number of different things, and Steve Jobs took it a whole different level. And the same can take place when there is authentic dialogue. But we only create something new if people are able and if they're willing to freely listen to one another without prejudgment, without trying to force another person to accept their point of view. See, each person or each group of people must first and foremost be interested in expanding the sphere of what is possible. But that can only happen if he or she is ready to drop old ideas, even if it's temporary. Just drop old ideas and be willing to go to something new, something different. Now, this requires that we work through the uncomfortable luxury of changing our mind. Now, some people, they're willing to change a lot of things in their life. They'll change locations. They'll change mates. They'll change jobs. They'll change socks. They'll change anywhere. They may go from boxers to briefs. They may change hairdos. They may change makeup. That's man, lipstick. But they'll do all of that, but they will not change their mind about anything. But interesting, Charles Fillmore, the the co-founder of Unity, this very interesting line that I think that made him, you know, cutting edge in his philosophy was that I reserve the right to change my mind, to keep it open-ended. That's not always easy because our ideas and our beliefs are often rooted in assumptions on an emotional level that we hold on in many areas of our lives. It could be politics, it could be economics, it could be religion, it could be our perspective on doctors and lawyers, corporations, all the assumptions we usually make that are nothing more than opinions. You know, 400 years after Galileo admonished people about believing their preconceptions, you know, he was, he was vilified because he said, you know, the sun does not revolve around the earth. You know, people said, no, they, they, no, I think they imprisoned him for that for a while. No. He let people know that if we can't believe that, that you're right about that, then they are really holding on to folly. They're clinging to unexamined beliefs. And 400 years after that, there's still a tendency to cling to our existing opinions as self-protective blocks to hedge against what I believe is the fear of uncertainty. We love certainty. We love to know what we think is right. But in trying to block out uncertainty, we limit our ability to listen and allow something new to come in. Oftentimes, I'm very, you know, I get nervous when I ever hear somebody say, I already know everything. There's nothing to learn. I need to learn at all. That's a scary person. But fertile dialogue requires that we first become aware of our own blocks and then be willing to surmount them by having an open mind. 
Or to have an open mind means to do like the Buddhists, Zen Buddhists say, to have the beginner's mind. That's when we get into the mind we put ourselves in to create something new with someone who seems to have a completely different perspective. You know, years ago I had a spiritual teacher, a mentor, I think we were in a class one time, and he said, I think he said this tongue-in-cheek, but I wasn't really sure. He said, if you want to drop a few pounds, drop an opinion or two. And you will see that the psychic weight will just roll off of you. He says, so every day, ask yourself, now, what opinion am I holding on to that I'm going to fight to the death for? Instead of holding it lightly enough so that, you know, that opinion can be released from attachment, even temporarily for something new to come in, a new insight, a new revelation, a new opening, a new perspective. I was in an interfaith gathering years ago, and the facilitator, the uh, MC, I think, was, was challenging the folks that were there. They had come from many, many different faiths, and he had challenged it to come to the understanding that this great spirit that we can't name, that we all worship or celebrate in some way or another, is beyond denomination. He was saying it's too big to fit into a denomination at all. And we must lose our attachment to our own point of view that we may catch the reality of what this expanded something we call God is. This universe is. I like to call it the force that's beyond our human limitation. Because there's always something bigger than what we can imagine. The Dalai Lama, who had been acknowledging through this, um, some of these talks, is an example of this. And he said one day he was in a dialogue with a group of people and someone asked him a question. And he said, you know, I used to answer that like a Buddhist. But I realized by doing that, I was narrowing my field of perception. So I opened myself up to go to a fresh insight, which made me a better Buddhist. I thought I was very profound from a very profound person. Many of us need to sometimes drop our opinions on a regular basis. I think if many people in the world did that, the world would be a better place. No longer holding on to all of our preconceptions, be open to new possibilities. Because we'll be able to open ourselves up to that new insight to see beyond what we think we already know. Anyway, that's how meaningful dialogue can take place. Rather than just strict debate, which has its place. But rather than just have strict debate and trying to convince the other people, oh, I am right. We can open up and engage in genuine dialogue. Where there is dialogue, there is an expansion in consciousness. There's a change in perception. It's not the tossing out of opinions that's merely the ping-pong of opinionated debate. It often has a meaningless end in the conversation. That's an old paradigm and doesn't open up to new possibilities. You know, sometimes we can experiment, walk around, you know, eavesdrop on some conversations that are going on between people that seem to be having a conflict. Check out some of the communications. Check them out online. I, I advise you to really be prayed up if you do that. <laughs> or just check out people who are in person and notice the circular conversations, nothing being said, nothing being resolved, 
No prayer or affirmation or explanation of an expanded idea by any party at all. That's like the walking dead. My son turned me on to that program. It's an acquired taste. <laughs> if you ever watched that program. But in authentic communication, new ideas appear. Everyone actually wins. We're not trying to impose a particular viewpoint on another group or participate in a win-lose game against one another. Instead, we are co-creating with the spirit of the living God, which is limitless, and playing a game with one another. And when we do that, we are coming from a place of oneness. We're coming from that place that binds everything together. That's what love is. And everyone wins. And we begin to create a genuine harmony in our world. That, I believe, is the magic of authentic dialogue. Peace and blessings to you. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life